Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Kathy Kay. Kathy is the Chief Information Officer of Principal Financial Group, a 142-year-old Fortune 500 global investment management firm. As CIO, she oversees the global technology and digital strategies for the company. Prior to Principal, Kathy led PG&E's IT business and has also held several IT leadership positions at General Motors, Comerica, and SunTrust. I look forward to speaking with her today about the methods of modernization and simplification that she's leveraged at Principal, as well as how she's driving the adoption of digital interactions with customers. Kathy, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. That's a pleasure. In today's unpredictable environment, long-term success rarely comes by chance. Thriving organizations are able to rapidly respond to whatever comes their way, be secure in the face of ever-evolving threats, and identify opportunities for ongoing innovation. How do CIOs, CTOs, and CISOs like you power these outcomes? It starts with a strong data platform. That's why over 90 of the Fortune 100 companies use Splunk. Splunk's extensible data platform powers full-stack observability, unified security, and nearly limitless custom applications. The result? They unlock innovation, improve security, and drive resilience. Check out Technovation episode 630, where I spoke with Splunk's President of Products and Technology, Sean Bice, about what it takes to unlock innovation in this unpredictable world. And to find out more about Splunk, visit splunk.com slash why. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Cisco, and the company's Chief Information Officer, Jackie Gushalar. As we enter a time of hybrid work environments, Jackie wanted to take a moment to share how companies can stay ahead of this emerging trend and make informed decisions on the future of work. Jackie, over to you. Hi, this is Jackie Guchala, SVP and CIO of Cisco. Today, we're at a unique time in history with the ability to redefine work. Work is no longer where you go, it's what you do and how you do it. And it is powered by the convergence of people, technology and places. It's permanently reshaping expectations of both employees and employers alike. To navigate this changing landscape, Cisco's Hybrid Work Index can help you make informed decisions by providing global insights on people's preferences, habits, and technology use in the era of hybrid work. It's based on millions of global data points and insights to help you win the war for talent, accelerate your innovation, and enhance business safety and security. Search Cisco Hybrid Work Index to learn more. Thanks, Jackie. And now on to our broadcast. Well, uh, Kathy, for a little less than two years, you've been the uh, Chief Information Officer of Principal Financial, and I thought we'd just begin there for those who may be less familiar with the uh, the organization. Could you give a brief uh, thumbnail sketch as to the business you're in? Sure. So Principal Financial Group, has a, we have over 49 million customers. We help people think about plan, protect, invest. So we have retirement services, insurance services, and then asset management services. And again, we are a global company with over 49 million customers. That's very helpful. And, and maybe if you would take, take a moment and describe your purview as Chief Information Officer, please. Sure. I'm proud to lead over 3,000 um, technology employees across the globe. And my purview is all global technology, digital assets. Think about tech strategy, security, making sure that all of our investments line up to the needs of the business and help shape from a strategy perspective where we're going. It's an exciting job, especially across multiple lines of business, and I'm really excited to be here. 
That's great. Uh, and it, it's interesting. I, if I've done the math correctly, I believe yours is, an, is a 142-year-old company, so quite a history yeah. to it. <laughs> and I can only imagine from a from a technology perspective, um, a, a fair amount of modernization, as any company would have, um, uh, is required. I know from our past conversations that this, this uh, a combination of activities associated with modernizing the technology landscape, as well as simplifying it where possible, has been an important mantra of yours. Can you talk a bit about the the methods you and the team have used to do just that? Yeah, so it kind of started as we really shifted our strategy to have customer experience at the center. You start to see that a lot of systems aren't aligned to enabling a really good customer experience because they were really geared to enabling prop, you know, maybe internal company processes, right? So while they worked really well for us, when you think about the experience from the customer's perspective and the customers would tell us it's not as great of an experience. And so that led us to start looking at the technology. We started to do, when I first came, we did a benchmark. We could see that our spend in applications isn't benchmarking as well as maybe other technology organizations. So we knew we had an opportunity to simplify to get cost out, but the greater lift is really to improve the experience because if you have complex technologies behind the scenes, you can't trick customers into having a very seamless, simple experience. And so it was, there was just a couple things leading us to do that. Not only, again, how to get cost out, but how do we really re-engineer things, simplify things so that we can truly enable a great customer experience. And we started, you kind of asked, how did we start? We rationalized the landscape. Um, We looked at, you know, what things given our roadmap and our business strategy needed to stay. If we were going to move things to the cloud, what things could be moved or what had to be modernized to move. And then where we weren't competitive, were there big investments that we needed to make to shift? So we kind of analyzed all that and then started building a roadmap and are sort of in the execution of that. Very interesting. I I really like the way you described that. You know, some would talk about modernization as a cost savings potential opportunity. Others would talk about it as, uh, you know, de-risking the organization to some extent. And I, and I, of course, I imagine that there, there are aspects of that that you communicate to uh, no doubt. But I love that you begin at least with customer experience that, look, at the end of the day, the people who provide our revenue, those, those who are our customers are going to have a suboptimal experience if we're not, if we're not organizing ourselves well. That, that, um, that in order for us to make sure that we, we can provide that, we need to have a modern architecture in place in order to deliver that. So I really, that must be a, a great rallying cry of, uh, of a kind uh, that, that this is really kind of the ultimate value that you're trying to drive and contribute to uh, in modernizing all that you do from a, from a customer experience perspective. Oh yeah, it's really exciting. And it's, you know, I mean, it's one of the things that attracted me to principal, their focus on it, because there's a lot of companies who say we care about the customer experience but we know what our customers want versus really listening to customers to say, okay, I hear you as you're doing business with us, here's some pain points. And it might really require you not only to change your technology, but to do some backwards re-engineering, right? And I love the commitment here. Um, Of course, we don't have it all solved yet, but I feel like we have at least line of sight on 
the big rocks we need to invest in and, and really um, can make a difference with our customers. And how do you see, uh, how do you see those, those customer interactions changing from a digital perspective? Uh, you know, if anything, of course, uh, the pandemic has hastened the degree to which uh, people have become comfortable. They've, they had to for, for a time uh, in order to get uh, uh, services or products digitally to interact with um, the carriers of various kinds, whether it's you know financial institutions, insurance uh, companies, et cetera, in ways that perhaps they didn't feel they needed to previously based on kind of older methods whenever they originally established some of these relationships. Can you, and I realize um, there are a variety of different personas of customer that you you interact with, but can you typify to any degree to which um, that that adoption of of a digital means of interacting with with the company has evolved? Uh, you know, at least across the little less than two years you've been with it. Yeah, I will say if you think about a lot of the ways we have historically done business, you know, it's a relationship based model, right? And People really like to talk to our advisors, our employees. And um, when the pandemic came and that couldn't happen, we had to find simple ways to make it easy to interact. So there was a lot of digitization that was sort of underway that we kind of sped up. So think about paper documents that needed to be digitized, ways to approve insurance applications much more automated so that we didn't need human intervention. And then you think about rollovers. If you leave a company and you want to roll over your 401k into an IRA, making that more easy and simple. But there are still times where customers say, even if it's easy, I still want to talk to a person. Like I just, I don't know that I'm comfortable making that decision just digitally. So we think about it as multi-channel, not just digital. So if if a customer is in the digital channel and really wants to talk to an, you know, to an employee or or their advisor, making that a seamless transaction, a, a seamless way of getting there, uh, they know everything about what they were doing with us digitally or online. And so they can continue that conversation or vice versa. You know, it's all about flexibility. But in any of those channels, it's about making it simple, frictionless, easy to understand, you know, so that it's very simple for our customers. Yeah, very interesting. Um, I also wanted to ask you, uh, how have you thought about the so-called war for talent? Uh, you know, we're only as good as the team, the teams that surround us. and. Um, I know that you've been in the fortuitous position of adding adding staff uh, during the time that you've been been with the organization. Uh, the, the the expectations of individuals and where they work and all sorts of as, so many aspects that were settled uh, in terms of how business typically was done uh, for 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 most of our careers um, has been upended to a certain degree. I'm curious how you've thought about um, you know wooing great talent uh, into a principal financial group. Yeah. So I'll say there's two parts of it, right? There's retaining your talent and then attracting talent. And um, there's some things that really resonate both with our employees and with attracting talent. Can they align to our mission? Can they align to our purpose? And the good news is the work that we do to serve our customers really aligns well to a lot of the talent that we attract and with our employees who are here. They really feel like they can make a difference and truly help customers 
people, you know, get through these important life journeys and um, provide technologies and services that make a difference to help their lives. So we can align there. But there's also making sure, you know, are there avenues for them to learn and develop? So we've done all kinds of things to, to be able internally upskill our talent based on, again, now that we have a roadmap, those technologies that we know are in our sort of in our roadmap for a few years, making training available, upskilling, experiential opportunities so that they could learn. And then externally, one of the things that um, our, our interns told us last summer was, you know, we are able to make an impact here. Like a lot of our friends who are interning in tech companies, they can't. We see how we really are impacting. And you don't tell the story. If you Google principal, we don't know a lot about technology. So we certainly have been doing a lot to try and um, make our presence known. Let's share what we're doing. Um, and then, you know, I will say, Peter, the culture here is incredible. And as people learn about who we are and how we work and the leadership and what we really do to invest in our people um, as well as our customers, um, it has been I wouldn't say easy because it's not right now, but easier to attract talent. You also have to allow flexibility. You know, would we love all our teams to be together? Sure, but that world's changed. Um, even the people who live in the Des Moines area, as an example, want flexibility. They don't want to be in the office every day. So, you know, with our with um, external talent, we're also allowing that same thing. We're, you know, ninety five. I think ninety five percent of our roles um, are can be remote if that's what people want. If they want to be in an office, we try and accommodate that as well. So, um, you know, and I saw a meme this one day about how, you know, sort of the tables are turned. It's, um, you know, candidates are really interviewing us more. And so showing our, who we truly are and uh, making it under, you know, making it open for people to understand the impact they can make and what we offer has been, you know, like a way that we have been able to attract some talent for sure. Really interesting, Kathy. And I wonder to what extent you having joined the company during the pandemic and therefore, you know, your own onboarding experience was, I have to imagine different from any other of the transitions that you've yes. had across your career. How has that colored the way in which you've thought about you know, bringing in new employees, making them feel like they're part of something bigger than just themselves, inculcating them with the culture when you don't have the tools that would be much more readily accessible uh, during normal times, quote unquote, uh, the period before uh, the first quarter of last year. Um, yeah. How has that impacted the way in which you've thought about things? So I had the luxury of when I onboarded, the whole company was remote, right? So I felt like we were all on the same page, if you will. Um, I think it's harder for people who onboard in companies now where there's this hybrid where some people are remote, others are coming in. Um, but, but regardless, some of the things I've learned, I spend way more time with people, making connections, finding ways to meet them, to, um, to make sure that they feel connected 
to us as an organization, to their leader, to me as part of the tech community. Um, you know, and so we have just been experimenting with all different kinds of things. I can't remember if we talked about this in the past, but every week I have a session lovingly called Coffee with Kathy every Friday at nine o'clock. It's an open teams meeting. Everybody's invited. There's no agenda. I talk about a few things from the week in terms of business, you know, state of the business, but then it's just a wide open forum to talk about anything that's on their mind, either work related or externally. So if you think about last year with all the political unrest and everything that was going on within the country, people were very, you know, I was in fact very emotional at times and concerned. And so making a space for people to talk about what's on their mind and provide avenues of support. We've done that. We have these leader sessions now where leaders are, you know, they'll raise a question about, I'm not really sure how to, you know, talk to employees about X or Y. So we'll get a bunch of leaders together and explore ways to help solve the problem. So it's really about making these connections so that people feel engaged. You know, luckily for us, um, our engagement numbers are staying high. They've actually gone up and are remaining high. Um, and I think a lot of it is because of the work we're doing to, you know, I, I think it's much more intentional of making sure that you make these connections. Um, and then the other thing I would say is now that, again, you have people who might be in conference rooms at the same time, you have people who are remote, making sure that they feel as included as everyone felt when we were all remote at the same time. And so these are things that we're focused on. But again, we pull our employees every quarter to get a pulse on what's on their minds. We change some of the questions. And when we hear that there's a concern somewhere, we just go to start talking with our employees to see how can we help solve the problem and help them. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, Kathy, you've been a, a technology leader across a very diverse array of industries, from the automotive industry to financial services, uh, to the, the sort of um, energy sector, and now, yeah. of course, at the principal financial group. Um, I'm curious, you know, there are a lot of people that, that stick in a, one industry and kind of, you know, maybe move around a few players in that industry. What advantages have you found uh, in having had such a diverse array of experiences uh, that you bring now to your latest, uh, uh, your, your latest experience, being able to draw upon a variety of different things that you have seen? I'm curious what lessons there are from that diversity. Yeah, I think having a broad background has certainly helped me um, learn, learn a lot of different things, solve problems differently or maybe more quickly. As you said, I've had I've been in industries that are regulated versus that aren't. And regardless, there's some things that are consistent, right? Making space for people to, to provide them the support, give them the opportunity to solve problems, to be curious, to help each other, leverage technology to really change the business capabilities in ways that maybe hadn't been thought of. And I think being able to apply it across industries, it just gives another perspective. You know, you think about inclusivity, right? The more diversity you have, the better problem solving you get. And so I think, you know, that's something that I bring is because of a lot of different experiences, it's just another 
background or a different perspective than maybe somebody who's deep in one space. But I always learn a lot from people who are also deep in one area. You're also, uh, Kathy, obviously a, a member of a small but growing at a small rate um, sorority of women, so to say, club of women who are technology executives. And I wonder if you would take a moment to reflect on sort of where things are right now, how you've seen, what you've seen progress, uh, what you've seen progress rather, uh, where you see further room for progress, ideas that maybe you and the team have have uh, instituted in order to identify great future leaders who, who are women. Um, what, where, do, where, where do things stand from your perspective? Yeah, I will say, um, you know, I am proud of principle that we have quite a diverse um, and great uh, amount of women, not only on our board, our leadership team, in, um, you know, in IT, 44% of the leaders across IT are female, which is way higher than a lot of companies Um, But I will say, just growing up in the technology industry for all of my life, like, I'm sad that we still haven't grown at a rate that reflects the true number of females in the world. And I know I personally get involved. I mentor a lot of women. I try to get girls interested in technology and STEM in grade school and high school. Um, we do a lot of things, trying uh, uh, programs here at Principal, helping underserved kids to get excited about technology. But we still have work to do, and I think um, you know, like probably most women leaders in IT, we all are doing everything we can, even helping others understand the role they could play, how to be an advocate for diverse candidates to help really improve that. But I'm I'm not happy with where we are. Well, thank you for sharing, sharing some of those perspectives. Um, I, as you look to the future, I, I'm curious, Kathy, what trends particularly excite you? Are there some that are on the rise that uh, that you're that are making their way onto your roadmap uh, as you look to the next say two or three years? Yeah, I will say if the pandemic did anything for technologists, it's really to move the speed at which adoption is occurring. So that's always exciting. I love that. And of course, that puts pressure on us, but in a good way. Um, Data and analytics, I know for us making those investments where AI and machine learning is going, I think can real is really, we're going to start seeing some really cool things coming. Obviously, there's a lot of things going on already, but while balancing ethical AI, I think is something that is going to be really helpful for us. It'll help our ability to create new products and services in ways we haven't thought of. Um, And then I just think, again, you know, this customer experience and really getting close to customers and listening and understanding their problems That's how many industries have gotten disrupted, right, of startups just looking at a problem and solving it in a way that no one thought of. And I think we have that opportunity to do that as well. And customers are much more vocal now, I think, than they've ever been coming out of the, you know, through the pandemic. And so if we stay close, I think also there will be some really fascinating things that come out of there. But the pace of technology, the pace of things that are changing um, is truly exciting, and it's great to be part of a technology community. Yeah, interesting. 
Well, Kathy, uh, Kay, thank you so much for joining me on Technovation today. It's been a fantastic conversation. Great to glean a variety of insights uh, into, as to how you are running your, your organization, the areas that you and your team are focused on, the value that you're creating, uh, especially through uh, improved customer experience and a variety of other topics. Thank you so much for, for sharing your, your knowledge with us today. Thanks for having me, Peter. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure.